Hello and welcome to this extra inning of The Ballpark, a podcast from the Failing US Centre here at the London School of Economics. I'm Joss Harrison, the Centre Assistant here at the Failing US Centre. In 2018-19, I was an undergraduate research assistant with the US Centre. For this extra inning of The Ballpark, I spoke to Karen Torres, who was an undergraduate research assistant with the Failing US Centre in 2019-20. When she spoke to me, she was studying for a master's degree in evidence-based social intervention and policy evaluation at the University of Oxford. Karen joined us on February 24, 2022, to discuss her new article in the Journal of Illicit Economies and Development, which she co-authored with Dr. John Collins. We also spoke about her experience as an undergraduate research assistant here at the Phelan US Centre and what this means for what's next. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background with the US Centre? Yes, of course. So, hi, my name is Karen Torres. I am a, an LSE alumna. I graduated in 2020 from a bachelor's in social policy and government, and I'm currently pursuing a master's in the social policy department at the University of Oxford, and that's in research methods. I thought we'd start this discussion by talking about your experience as an undergraduate research assistant with the US Centre. Could you tell us a bit about why you applied and what you were studying at LSE at the time? Yes, so I applied in November of 2019. So that was my last year of my bachelor's degree. And at the time, I was already developing an interest in drug policy. It was something we had touched upon briefly in some of my courses in the social policy department, but it was an interest that I developed um, on my own as well. I was doing an internship in the International Drug Policy Consortium. And I remember seeing the email with this opportunity and I already was very intrigued and and absolutely extremely excited about the possibility of applying. But when I saw that Dr. Collins was looking for an assistant specifically on the topic of international drug policy, I became even more excited. So that's kind of what seemed fate and ended up driving me to apply for the program. So in terms of the actual research project you worked on with Dr. Collins, what substantial did you research during the project? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we initially had a starting point of looking at the role of the United States and the international drug control system. But once we started working together, we narrowed that down to a much more specific research question about the role of nation state agency and specifically Colombia, the country that I am from, in two different policy negotiation arenas. UNGAS 2016, the UN, the United Nations General Assembly on Drugs, then Plan Colombia, which was a multi-million aid package that was delivered in Colombia by the United States. And we kind of did some research around nation state theories and agency in those two cases. And when you were a research assistant, apart from learning about the topic itself, did you feel you learned anything about the research process? And what would be your advice to others? Oof, massively. I mean, I think my experience as a research assistant with Dr. Collins has been crucial in determining my path and where I am now. And I learned so much throughout that process. So I think the first thing for me that really stands out was that it was my first time having my voice as an academic author being heard. And Dr. Collins was fantastic at sitting down with me and asking me, what are your thoughts on this? And when I suggested an idea, he'd say, I don't know, do you think that's right? Like, tell me your thoughts on this. Or what are, and, and I wasn't used to having my opinion be asked in those scenarios. It was more, I guess, having to critically analyze literature and always being very humble about um, what I was writing about. And this was the first 
first time that um, I guess with Dr. Collins support, I was able to, to really question who I was academically, what my interests were. So that was on like on one hand, something that really stands out to me, but also the process of rigorous systematic literature reviews was something that that I took away from that experience. And in particular, uh, something that has become a theme now in my academic journey is actively and proactively seeking literature that isn't maybe as well known, that isn't written in English and trying to chase these other unorthodox views and, and sort of avoid that publication bias that the academic world can sometimes be victim of. So that those are the two main things that stand out to me as things that I learned throughout the research assistantship and all throughout it was with Dr. Collins' support and very much his interest in listening to my voice and in, in how I wanted as well to to contribute to the research project. So it's great to hear that you had a good working relationship with Dr. Collins because one of the questions we always get from applicants who are thinking of you know, deciding whether to go to the effort of applying to the, to the program is how much they're going to get to engage with, with the faculty supervisor. Because I think some people doubt that it's going to be actually hands-on because you know academics are so busy and are already experts in their field. So they don't necessarily have the time to work really closely with a research assistant. But, you know, in general, when I was a research assistant, I had the same experience as you. My supervisor was really patient and generous with his time and always happy to meet and listen to what I had to say. And that just made me feel really good. So I'm glad you had the same experience. Um, I think it's something that's really common for research assistants with this program. Uh, But anyway, moving on to the next question. Is there anything you'd like to highlight as your favorite aspect of a role? Or is there anything you found challenging or anything that maybe didn't work out as well as you would have hoped? Well, I think probably the things that I found challenging are also my favorite things about the program. And I have the best memories of just sitting with Dr. Collins in those meetings and simply discussing the topic. And each week I felt it became richer because I had read a little more on what we discussed the previous week. So I was becoming more and more informed on the topic of our research and therefore our discussions became more interesting and more critical. And so that was, I think, the most challenging part for me as well, as I mentioned, was developing my own academic voice, figuring out how maybe I viewed this topic of of state agency in in such a complex topic as well, especially coming from Colombia, to a field that has already been written about so much to want to make a contribution uh, requires quite a lot of research, but also confidence, I suppose, in what you are analyzing and what you're critiquing. So I think that was probably my favorite thing was the opportunity to discuss with such a knowledgeable person as Dr. Collins is, and obviously a very respected figure in the field, to learn from him and and also his experiences, not only in, in the works that he had published previously, but also his own experiences as someone who has discussed with people that have been key decision makers in these fields or who has been part of these meetings himself. That was absolutely fantastic for me as a student and and as an undergraduate student as well, because something that I also am very grateful for is the fact that it's not very common in the UK for you to be a research assistant at the undergraduate level. And this was an opportunity that was absolutely rare, I know, and that I very much was able to maximize and take the most out of, I feel. 
So it sounds like you already had an interest in research and especially this particular topic before you started the project with Dr. John Collins. But did this experience do anything to make you feel more confident or to move you further down the road in academia or did you feel it gave you a sort of sense of what you want to do in the future? Yes, 100%. As I mentioned, my my work with Dr. Collins was very much a foundation for a lot of the things that I've done ever since. So the first thing that uh, I think this had a consequence in was me well, publishing my first academic article as a co-author, which is extremely exciting for anyone in their academic career. And that also was an opportunity for me to start working as a research assistant with another academic back home in a different field, actually. But I found that the lessons and the methodology for working was something that I was able to replicate from my work with Dr. Collins and that I felt I could bring something to this new research team that I joined afterwards. But specifically, it informed my desire to pursue the master's that I'm doing now, which is very much focused on research methods. It's called Evidence-Based Social Intervention and Policy Evaluation but the focus is on methods for the design of policies and social interventions. And a very big focus is on how to conduct rigorous systematic reviews. And I have been able to bring a perspective about systematic reviews and how to include these marginalized voices in academia and in the literature. And that was something that I very much became aware of when I started working with Dr. Collins and when he encouraged me to look beyond the English literature, to look into journals that were maybe less known or reputable, and then find those voices of Colombian academics, Colombian researchers who were writing incredibly important analyses of the topic that we were researching. So that is definitely something that I take with me and that has absolutely paved the way for where I am now. And I'm currently conducting a systematic review on sort of a similar topic on decision-making processes in a different field, but that where I am also informing a lot of what I learned uh, while working with Dr. Collins. So lots of, lots of opportunities definitely arose from that. So moving on, in your research with Dr. Collins, did you set out with a particular hypothesis or was it more just a matter of learning as much as you could about the topic? I think we both, since since our starting point was a very general theme and, and, I, and we sat down and discussed, well, where, where could we take this research? It's an incredibly exciting opportunity that we have to work together um, to explore basically anything that we want. So what do we want to focus on? We were brainstorming and this idea of agency came up, of unorthodox interpretations of nation state agency in the international drug control system was something that we were both reluctant of. And we thought, well, I know Dr. Collins had observed this uh, in, in real life, having interacted, as I mentioned, with decision makers and with numerous research uh, institutions that had worked in this topic before, that the reality seemed to be much more complex than just Colombia having had this system imposed onto so many years of its trajectory and involvement in uh, the drug control system. And so we wanted to kind of look to see if there was any literature that verified or that could at least uh, support this view that Colombia might have might have had more of an involvement in what was being decided and what was being imposed than what traditional literature said. And so we originally started with an idea of potentially doing some primary research. I was going to go back to Colombia um, after, I think it was for maybe the Easter break. So it seemed like a good opportunity. I mentioned that I had some contacts back home that I could maybe ask if I could interview and people that were involved in the implementation of one of the programs of one of the case studies that we were looking at. And that was our first step. It was seeing whether a primary research study, a qualitative primary research study would be a possibility for this topic. And it was really interesting to see that this is a contentious topic. And even though 
though I was able to leverage those contacts, they were not willing to go on the record. And that revealed a very intricate dynamic of, well, the, the, the things that are unsaid and the, what we don't know and what isn't recorded. So after having had an idea of what these participants that I was speaking to were saying about their perspectives of Colombian involvement in Plan Colombia, we thought, okay, well, these are people in the field that are agreeing a little bit with the hypothesis, so to say, that we have. Uh, now let's go move on to a more uh, literature-based review and then see what we can find in support of this. And that is how we ended up moving towards this literature review methodology and where we started finding three streams that uh, were answering the same question. There were proponents of Plan Colombia or the just a system where things are imposed onto Colombia. And then there were proponents of mutual negotiation, where it was more of a collaborative process, a mutual negotiation. And then there were proponents of Colombian agency. And that was the very rich, but much more scarce literature that we were we wanted to interrogate and kind of, yeah, review. So that is sort of how we started and then where we ended up. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you find? Is there any particular finding that stands out to you as being you know, especially significant? Well, it's it's massive. I think it's incredibly important in terms of first making us, as I've mentioned, interrogate the sort of prominence of certain types of literature and how those dictate what we see as hegemonic views on a topic. And very much this idea of questioning the role of the United States as simply an entity that imposes onto other countries. Not only is that a very negative way of framing the United States and a much more complex system of multi-actor negotiations, but it also, of course, takes away the agency of the countries in which these programs are being implemented. So these findings are relevant in terms of allowing us to include different types of literature to better understand a very complex issue. It's, it's of course, not, not a surprise that it isn't black or white, that it's very much, you know, uh, it depends on what lens you adopt. Um, we discovered that, um, or at least the, our findings were suggesting that when we adopted a state building lens, there was much more of a, a clear view of Colombia sort of leveraging its own mechanisms and strategies to advance Plan Colombia to its own benefit. And that was one way of looking at it. But if you, for example, adopted a security lens, then that kind of provided a different view where it was more of a mutual negotiation. And so it, it just allowed us to bring a little bit more richness, I suppose, to this to this debate and question these imposed views and and challenge orthodox interpretation. So in that regard, I think it's it's incredibly interesting and, and very important and, and definitely a, an exercise that I think could be useful to interrogate other type of interventions that are happening in the region and that we conceive as solely sort of imposed by the United States and trying to understand maybe how there, there are reasons why certain countries might engage in these strategic negotiations, which may still inform the power dynamics that exist in the region and in different types of systems. And that's not to say that there isn't a clear power imbalance because there is, but it's more about understanding that a country as rich as Colombia is, wasn't just sort of accepting and having something be imposed, but that had much more to leverage for itself and um, a reason to also negotiate for its own well, at least for the decision makers that at the time were negotiating these programs um, to to want to make it work for its own benefit as well. I mean, it sounds to me like the perfect research project insofar as obviously you're making important contributions to the field itself, but also researchers, you know, anywhere in any field can learn and benefit from that key insight. 
you know, there's definitely a sort of Eurocentric tendency to rely on this particular language or that particular literature and failing to really diversify your sources can be so dangerous and so limiting. So I think that everyone can learn something from the methodologies that you employed. So if we move on to the paper that you mentioned earlier, which you co-authored with Dr. Collins, which is an amazing achievement, by the way, uh, what was the topic of the paper and how did it relate or not relate to a research project that you participated in at LSE? It related completely. It was very much what we were, the research that we were conducting as part of the UGRA. Um, so it was essentially us putting into an academic article in a much more synthesized, organized way, all of the findings and the conversations and the discussions that we'd been having. So it was a continuation of that. It was a, a very, very good and important learning opportunity for me in terms of bringing a year's worth of work into a condensed paper. And it was based on that literature review that we did. And then Dr. Collins wrote a part about taking those findings that we had discovered through the literature review and applying those to a different case study. And we then brought it all together into a wider analysis. But yes, it was a continuation, essentially. So obviously, you hear a lot about how difficult it is to get a paper published in an academic journal. Um, What were the main hurdles you faced in the process? Did you have to revise and resubmit? Did you get feedback from other academics? What in general did you learn about the academic process over the course of this project? Yeah, so I was very lucky that I was working with Dr. Collins, who of course has a lot of experience publishing papers. So he already had a lot of knowledge about the inner workings of that world, but I still learned a lot through the process. We did have to do some edits to the paper after it went through its first round of peer review, and it was really interesting to see the differences in the comments of the reviewers. And some of them, for example, would specify their positionality and where they came from. And for example, mentioned that they came from the academic world or they came from civil society or other, they had experiences in other fields that allowed them then to inform their feedback. And that was really interesting because of course, while publishing a paper, you're very, very much centered in your position as the researcher, the academic, but you are writing about these bigger processes that are happening involving different types of decision makers and actors. And so having the process of peer review is obviously fantastic in helping you widen that perspective and helping you see what is clear, what isn't clear, what needs to be expanded upon. And so after we submitted the paper for the first review, we waited, I think it was a couple months and then received the comments. And then Dr. Collins and I met again and we went through each comment and it was really interesting for us to as I said, interrogate, oh, well, we could have been, you know, a little bit more, um, more specific on this point. Um, we need to expand on this, shorten this. And that really helps to make sure that the article is enjoyable to the academic audiences, but also understandable. And um, that was a really, really great experience for me. So I also learned about the sort of turnaround times in this world and the the process of waiting and patience and having to review. And that has been really also a very, very good lesson for me. But uh, we were very lucky to be published by the Journal of Illicit Economies and Development because it is very much fitting for the topic of the journal. And it was our aim to be published there. So it was a very good experience. So is it your aim going forward to get more papers published and continue in uh, academia? Or are you thinking more in terms of policymaking? What are your intentions at this stage? Yes, I mean, fingers crossed I can get more papers published in the academic world. I am very much this this opportunity, and I'm not even exaggerating, 
really made me fall in love with academia and especially seeing the support of an established academic and sort of rooting for you and saying, you know, you can do this. And Dr. Collins has just been a massive support in general through other of my academic endeavors. And um, it has been a really, really great source of inspiration for me. And I'm definitely considering a PhD after finishing my master's. But I also really like, uh, and I learned this as well through the UGRA, the the way in which you can integrate academia and policymaking and sort of more on the field contributions. And that is very much something that I would like to be able to reconcile and bring those two worlds together and and try and see how I can and use my my academic interests to inform the these more kind of practical processes that we see. And as I mentioned, I'm in the social policy department. So I'm particularly interested in looking at how we can use experiments to better understand how governments work and bureaucracies and how we can create evidence-based practice within government, because it's something that is usually reserved for the world of either the medical field or interventions that are more social and, and smaller in scale. But I'm interested in seeing how we can expand that to the world of government and to make governments more efficient, more to understand maybe their shortcomings and other interesting dynamics there. So I, I don't think I would really be considering that if I hadn't had this opportunity as a as a base. And as I mentioned, someone to to support you and cheer for you. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully it will continue on that path. That's really great to hear. So to wrap up just by going back to where we started with the UGRA program, I'm really pleased to hear about the experience you had. And I was wondering if there was anything you would say to someone who was maybe considering applying but not sure if conducting research is for them, or if it's worth going through the application process. What would you say to people who are maybe considering applying but not sure if they should actually take that final step? Well, my biggest piece of advice is to apply. I think not not everyone will necessarily have a topic that they see and they think, oh, this is my this is my my topic. I was very lucky that I was actually in my internship at the International Drug Policy Consortium when I saw this email. And so it felt like it was a, a natural kind of continuation for me. But I also know of my other peers who did the program with me where they applied to research areas that they didn't necessarily have that much experience in, but they had a massive interest in. And I think that is so important. Even the application process is already something that you can get so much out of. And researching, because even though I had sort of started to delve into the world of drug policy, I didn't know much about the specific research area that Dr. Collins wanted to focus on, which was involvement of the United States in, and the world of development aid as well and its relationship with other countries. Mine was much more focused on drug policy at more at the, at the more micro level, I suppose. So I still had to learn a lot and kind of research a little bit for my application. And I thought that was a really, really great experience. Also, the interview with Dr. Collins was a great experience in general. Interviews are fantastic practices for other opportunities to come. So my biggest advice would be don't be intimidated. You you have a really great chance in front of you. You should definitely try. And yes, it is competitive, but I mean, you're smart. Like you should give it a shot and 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 try. And especially if if it's a topic that you're interested in and you don't feel like you have much experience in, then show that in your application that you're willing to learn, that you have the desire to explore this topic more, that you have um, the willingness to engage with the academic that you'll be working with and 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 support them in this process and and learn from them. So I think that's my big my big piece of advice for someone considering their application. I definitely agree with all of that. And anyone who's considering applying should definitely do so because yeah. you do learn so much from the application process. 
And also academics, you know, they're not always looking for someone who already knows an amazing amount about the topic. They often just want someone who is enthusiastic and who is mm -hmm. going to really throw themselves into the program. So if you're unsure about how to approach the application, just go ahead and show your enthusiasm for the project. And yeah, I'm sure you'll have a good chance of getting a spot. A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been amazing to speak to you and I've learned a lot about research and the topic just listening to you. So yeah, thank you so much for lending your time. Of course. And I would like to also reiterate and take this opportunity to thank the LSE Bellanueva Center for this opportunity. It really was an incredible, I mean, three years later, <laughs> I'm still thinking about how it was just a, a wonderful opportunity. So thank you for having me and for uh, giving me this opportunity to tell you a little bit more. Um, really enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you so much. At the time of recording, Karen Torres was a master's student in evidence-based social intervention and policy evaluation at the University of Oxford. She is also a former undergraduate research assistant here at the LSE Phelan US Centre. And that's it for this extra inning of the ballpark. Thanks to Karen Torres for joining us in this episode. This extra inning was produced by Alina Ganatra, Anderson Tan, and Joss Harrison. To listen to all of our previous episodes, just enter LSE Ballpark into your search engine of choice. You'll find us. We're free to listen to, and unlike lots of other podcasts, we're ad-free. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Email us any feedback at uscenter.lsc.ac.uk or send us a tweet at lsc underscore us and tell your friends about us. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of the Phelan US Centre or the London School of Economics. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.